A random encounter at a broadcasting facility. A shared interest and love of all things Marvel. Excelsior! A misinterpreted program title. And behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick. Podcaster and comic book enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson! Upstate New York radio announcer still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter, what are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Hey, this is always ready, Matt Cardona, and you're listening to The Marvelists. Peter Melnick, Eddie Wilson. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's episode... We have a new intro! Well, yeah, kind of. That's but, the most exciting and first and foremost thing. I'm loving it. It's a great 30 seconds. You'll, you hopefully just heard it, and you're yeah. T- you're turning into my robot chicken voice, the one, the nerd voice that I steal from there. You guys, no, yeah. that's a different one. <sighs> but I digress. Before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's episode and introducing... Our very special guest and to guest co-host, we want to tell you all at home how you can get a hold of us on them, our social medias. We'll just let Peter do it. Go ahead. It's at The Marvelists on everything. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're on all of them. And you can find us individually. It's in the bios of all of those different things. Uh Because again, we're going to streamline this bad boy now. Streamline. I'm doing a thing with my hand. I don't know why I'm doing this. Almost like a a boat setting off to sail sea. No. And you can also find us on a wide variety of streaming platforms. Remember, iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, five star. We're also on Patreon at patreon.com slash The Marvelists. And be sure to help support the show on there for as little as $3 a month to as high as $8. And you get the Fantastic Voyage, our Fantastic Four recap show where we talk about the 102 plus issues of the Fantastic Four. One at a time. By Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. So. Did we see we're on a new platform now? Did I just see a posting of that? Uh, we're on the Discord platform, so you can find us on there. It's going to be on, uh, I think there's a link on our Facebook and Twitter, I want to say. Okay. You but said anyway. it. All right. Let's introduce first off our guest co-host, Jeremy, jacked up Jeremy Bagley. Good evening. Good evening. You know, uh, before I signed up to uh, sponsor some of this stuff, I did not realize that your TikTok handle was Peter Melnick butt butter? No, it's butt better. It's not. Oh, it's, okay. It's, All right, then I'll, then I'll keep donating. It's not. It's not butter. <laughs> and Jeremy, just for that, I want you to do the honors of introducing our special guest on this episode. <gasps> oh, what? Really? Yeah. No, I can't do that. That's it, it's only eight bucks a month. This is totally you guys. I'm uh, <laughs> just listening and ready to ask some questions from. Loyal followers from around the country. So no, by I, all means, don't I, let me take away the thunder. You got this. I am the least qualified to do the introduction, so... Well, we are joined on the other end of the tin can and string with Mr. Strong Island himself, the writer formerly known as Zach. He is Impact Wrestling's and the major wrestling figure podcasts, Matt Cardona. Matt, good evening. How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on the show. See, that was a great intro, so... Way to go. Good job, Peter. So, Matt, you a fan of Marvel? I am. I would say I'm a, a casual fan. I, like, there's a lot of, you know, I look at wrestling and wrestling figures and the different levels of fandom. I would say I'm right in the middle. Casual. I, uh, you know, I do have some of the toys. I go see the, the movies in the theaters. Um, so, I guess I'm casual. There's definitely people who like it. 
less, and there's definitely people who like it way more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, comic books and pro wrestling have such a major connection between the two, especially, you know, as a listener of the Major Wrestling Figure podcast, you guys really love one comic series the absolute most, and it is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I, ju- I just heard the uh, top five figures from you, Brian Myers, and Silver Balls, Mark Sterling, about the, you know, figures, the non-wrestling figures, and Ninja Turtles came up all like all the way across the board. It was kind of cool to see that. Yeah, I mean, uh, NECA is an incredible toy company, and they've been killing it with these Ninja Turtles uh, specifically. And I think, you know, our, our age, uh, you know, it's, Listen, I, I say it all the time on the podcast. We're not in the podcast business or the wrestling figure business. We're in the nostalgia business. You know, people, they just want to feel young again or whenever that, that time period was, they want to, you know, get those toys. And the beauty of NECA is that these, they, they take these lines that, you know, of course, we had, we had turtle figures in the 80s and 90s, but they, they were kind of crappy. They didn't even look like the cartoon. Uh, so now we're getting these figures. Uh, from the movies, like we never got the, the movie figures. We got, you know, the first movie we never got. We got Secret of the Ooze, kind of. Uh, so to get all these figures now, 30-plus years later, and they're incredible, uh, whether you're keeping it in the package or letting them breathe, as we say, and doing some figure photography or just displaying them, uh, it's a great time to be a collector. And you know what? That's that's funny you say that figure photography. There is an outlet or a niche for that, and I've kind of dabbled in that myself because we had been doing periodic, we're actually daily, almost every day, postings. And so if it related to the topic of the day, then, uh, yeah, it's great. They don't make any noise. Hopefully they stand still, and it's it's beautiful. It's all about lighting, though, I think, too, in some respects. And, you know, with the Marvel figures on that end, Two companies that are synonymous with that brand are Toy Biz and Hasbro. And Matt, if you had your ability, which would be your preferred brand for those? I mean, I, I love what, what Hasbro is doing right now with the the Marvel Legends. Uh, I mean, these I love right now that 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 six inch scale. Whether you know you like Ninja Turtles, Marvel, Star Wars, wrestling, now even Ghostbusters, you can kind of have them all in the same universe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, of course, as a kid, I had those old-school figures. And there's just something about like, the packaging and the packaging art that still, I mean, to this day, you see that we're, we, we do the re-releases all the time. It's something so special. And it's funny because, you know, you mentioned Ghostbusters. You're known as a big Ghostbusters fan. You know, you actually, I believe you were in uh, Tommy Avalone's uh, documentary, Ghost I was, Heads. yes, I was. And there's just something about, you know, that. And it... it it bums me out that we were not able to get the new Ghostbusters movie the year it was supposed to come out. You were at Toy Fair, we were at Toy Fair, and being able to did you did you get to attend the uh, Hasbro event? I did not. I was I was invited, but we were on a, a tight schedule, and it wasn't even like in the building. You had to go somewhere else, mm-hmm. right? It was so we we couldn't make it. But of course, you know, I saw all the pictures on social media. Um, you know, so I'm excited for the for the Ghostbusters movie to finally come out. Uh, I don't know if my wallet is excited for the merch, but I've been I've been buying it so far. It's it's funny because uh, when we were there in the uh, like they would each have every section designed to look like what the toy was representing. So they would have you know like the uh, the Star Wars toys. They had the you know the Marvel figures, but the Ghostbusters section was its own unique little part of that toy universe. And it was grown so into cool. that. Wow, Jeremy. Matt, really appreciate you being on. I've uh, got some questions from our vast 
uh, nationwide audience that spans almost the entire length of the New Jersey Turnpike. Uh, first of all, <laughs> congratulations on uh, your tremendous success with your podcast and obviously uh, what you guys are doing on Pro Wrestling Tees, being in the top 25 bestsellers in 2020. Uh, I got a question from John in Baltimore, and he asked, does Matt have a grail figure out there that he doesn't have yet? Um, it's, it's funny, the, the, the term holy grail. Uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough that I've been able to get uh, a few of those figures on my list. And, uh, you know, my, my main collection is definitely wrestling. And throughout these past couple of years, I've been able – to find a lot of unreleased figures, uh, pre-production prototypes, if you will. Um, so there was a figure that was rumored to be coming out around like 95, 96 of, of Diesel. Um, long story short, it never came out. But over the past couple of years, I was able to find the the uh, the artwork for it and the uh, the unreleased head. So I'm hoping somewhere that it made it to a prototype stage, like a hand-painted prototype stage. Uh, I'm not sure if it has, but uh, if it if it ha- if it did make it that far, that would definitely be uh, a holy grail of mine. Now that question was also asked by the Dennis Rodman of Wrestling Figure Collecting Horror Movie Barbecue, so I just let him know that that question has already been asked, and he will have to think <laughs> of another one. But another question comes from friend of the show and friend of your show as well, Zombie Sailors Toys. He wants to ask. Can you ask him what color should he get his Lamborghini once the zombie zombie sailor wrestling figure toy line launches? And talk to us about that, by the like, way. Is, is he saying that he's going to pay us so much of a royalty that I get a Lamborghini, or that it's going to do so well that he gets a Lamborghini? <laughs> Let's make that clear. Yes. Well, I, I'm assuming it's going to be ZST's uh, Lamborghini. Uh, I mean. Uh... I would say purple. Let's let's make it purple, whether it's mine or his. And I'm very excited for his his toy line. Uh, he's a hustler, man. He he's doing the hard work. Um, and uh, you know we've seen the the uh, the test shots of the the first Zombie Sailor Toys figures. Um, I think the fans are going to be blown away when they see the finished product. And and I know uh, you know I know what's coming out. I know it's not public, and the fans are really going to. Um, enjoy this, and I think it's going to be a uh, extension of the WWF Hasbro line, so the fans are really going to love it. And it's wild, you know, you've been in wrestling since, I want to say, the mid-2000s, and you've had figures made now in WWE, you're going to be doing something with Zombie Sailor, and the other one that's coming along, we just, you know, I spoke today with uh, TJ Shevlin about it, of Super 7, you guys are going to be a part of the ultimate line of the wrestling figures over there. Yeah, I mean, uh, there, there's no doubt that Super 7 are some of, if not the best action figures on the market today. So to be able to have a, uh, an ultimate, to be in the, the same universe as uh, the Ninja Turtles or Arnold Schwarzenegger or, or Mickey Mouse, you know, I love the ultimate, Andre the Giant. Um, it's really cool. It's super cool, uh, pun intended. And the best part about it, is that we, we as in Brian Myers and I, are so hands-on um, with, the, with the process. So we got the, the first uh, samples, and we made a list of everything we needed to change. Nothing, you know, nothing crazy. You know, maybe a little more, uh, I, I may have asked for a more jacked torso. Uh, Understandable. You know? <laughs> but it's cool that we have this, uh, you know, that we have the say, and they'll listen to us. And then, um, 
you know, we want these to be the most authentic, detailed wrestling figures in history. And one of the things about just, you know, being able to have that, have that ability to be immortalized as a wrestling figure when, you know, I've heard stories, you know, when you were growing up, you know, going through Long Island to all the different Toys R Us's and just, you know, I didn't you guys used to also do the little thing where you would hide the figures like you were looking for, like behind certain little things. And now 100 percent, 100 percent. You would do that. If you didn't have the money, uh, you'd hide it. Like I remember Toys R Us. Uh, it was like I would always hide them in like the, the toy boxes that were like on display, like it had these giant toy box. You always hide it behind something. Or like later on, they'd have the the giant flats you could like lift up and 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 stack things in. People are um, doing that again at Targets now. Yeah. What do you mean again? I thought it was something that never stopped. Somebody on YouTube like recently did it, and like everyone I know, including myself, will look under that little grate, and I've been like, "There's nothing but dirt." <laughs> but you always got to check. You always got to check. What is it like knowing now that you know there are the people that you know you used to do that? You would hide the toys. And there's somebody out there that has hidden Zack Ryder figures for themselves. Yeah, it's, it's a feeling that, that doesn't get old. Uh, I've been fortunate to have uh, many figures throughout my career. But every time, it's just as cool, if not cooler. Um, you know, it doesn't get old one bit. Um, and, you know, these, these Super 7s, I am just blown away by how well they did. Um, you know, because these, the Super 7 model... It's different, you know, especially for the, the wrestling figure community. They're not, they're not used to this pre-order model where pre-order is the order. You know what I'm saying? Like, the amounts that were ordered, and that's it. That's going to be it. Like, they're not going to make more after this. You know what I'm saying? So people are going to miss out. There's going to be some people who miss out. The secondary uh, market value is going to be, I hope, through the roof. Because I, 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 in my mind, I want this Super 7 wrestling line to continue. I know they have Gallows and Anderson. I hope those do well. I hope we get some more in there. And then, of course, I would hope for, for Brian and Matt repaints down the line. So I want this line to do well, not just for Matt and Brian, but for everybody who gets involved with it. Well, the, the follow-up to the hide-the-toy thing is how much time goes by after you, know, you hide it, you, you keep it out of sight, you, you couldn't afford it, you, you have to go regroup, so to speak. How long before you get back to it and hope that it's still there? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, a funny story uh, involving Brian and I, uh, when we first met, um, a friend of his uh, hid a whole set of figures um, at a Toys R Us. And then Brian and I, we went to Toys R Us. Brian was going to be kind enough to split the set with me. It was a six-person set. He's going to split it three and three. But I had called my dad on the phone and told him where they were hidden. So my dad went and sniped and got all six. And then I went with Brian and, and was shocked that they weren't there. And years later, I could confess. But uh, all is fair in love and figure hunting. <laughs> you heard it here first. After uh, 30 years of all of us hiding figures at Toys R Us, we may have been the ones that put them out of business. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> what is your favorite Toys R Us memory, other than meeting Hogan? The Hogan one was pretty cool, uh, 100%. Um, what I love is a feeling that uh, we'll never get back. Uh, you know, walking into a toy store for the first time, or seeing a figure that you didn't know was coming out for the first time. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah. I, felt, I still have these vivid memories of finding the WWF Hasbro's or WWF Jack. Uh, I remember um, it was 1997, I believe. I saw Men in Black in the theater uh, in Levittown, Long Island. And in that same shopping center, there was a Toys R Us. And uh, walked into that Toys R Us, and there was this new set 
called Bad Boys, and it had the, the first ever Steve Austin figure, the first ever Triple H figure, uh, and it was like, what? Like, what are these? Because uh, I didn't have the internet yet, so I didn't, you know, I didn't know that these were coming out. So, uh, I mean, those days are, are gone, because now with the internet, social media, you know what's coming out, uh, but those days of just walking in and being so surprised by not only finding something, but finding something you didn't even know was coming out, like those those memories will stick with me forever. What was your last Toys R Us purchase before they closed doors in the United States and before they reopened in a random spot in New Jersey? Um, I believe I went, I went with Brian Myers to a Toys R Us right before they closed, and I got like a it was a Macho Man cape that they were selling. I got this Macho Man cape, uh, but luckily there there's still Toys R Us in Canada, so when we go up. Uh, to wrestle in Canada, I get to check it out. Or when I go visit my fiance Chelsea family in Canada, I check out Toys R Us. So it's still kind of there. And in regards to, have you been to the New Jersey Toys R Us? I have not. It's, it's in like a mall, right? I heard it's not like a real, real Toys R Us. And it's closed on Sundays. The one time uh, my ex and I, we went, we got, we went specifically to go there and they were closed due to, I, I think it's called the Blue Law in like one part in Jersey. If and, you're in Bergen oh, wow. County, the Blue Law still applies. Yeah, they're closed on Sunday. If you go to uh, like Willowbrook Mall in, in Wayne, they'd be open. But they're not there apparently. So Evidently. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you, by the way, talking about those memories of Toys R Us, were you ever like much of a gamer back in the day? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, all the way to like, uh, you know, N64, I was a diehard N64 fan. Once it got to like Xbox and like PlayStation 2, the games became a little too difficult for me. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of when I got out of it. Uh, but yeah, those, the old school games I love. I, I have all those, uh, those like those remade systems they made a couple years ago that have all the games inside them. Um, I love Super Nintendo, regular Nintendo, Sega, N64, um, and of course, arcades, too. That was a huge part of my childhood. Well, with gaming back in the day with Toys R Us, one of my favorite memories, and I, was your Toys R Us like this, where they would have the little sheets of paper with the game, with the price, and you had to take it and walk up to the counter, yes. and they would bring it to you. Yes, yes. and I remember I, I used to always like plan out, like every year they would have that giant uh, like sweepstakes so someone could do like a... Uh, you know, like, uh, what's it called, where you can, like a, like a shopping spree. And I always would, like, walk around Toys R Us and, like, plan out what I would do if I won. Like, okay, I'd take, I would take these tags, and then, like, I think the bikes were the same thing with the tags, you know? And I would kind of, like, map out what I would do if I ever won. I mean, obviously, I did not win. But I think that's any kid's dream of, win, of winning that shopping spree. Now, were you, so which, uh, how do I say, which would you, would, ugh, sorry, I'm trying to word today, it's really hard, uh, what store would you love to see make a full-fledged return to the United States? Toys R Us or KB? Um, KB is a lot more intimate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, Toys R Us was great, but even at the end, it kind of like, was it as cool as it used to be? I don't know, but I, th I think it could come back if, if it was on a smaller scale. I, I would love to, I mean, come on, we need Jeffrey back in our lives, you know? Uh, Toys R Us was just, it was everything. I mean, everyone wanted to be a Toys R Us kid. So, uh, you know, KBs were cool, but I feel like the Toys R Us, like, you can go from, like, Toys R Us to Toys R Us to Toys R Us. Like, there was only KBs that, where I lived, like, in the malls. And, like, you know, you only had, like, two malls. So there's only, like, two KBs. But the Toys R Us, there were, there were more, so you could always figure hunt or make your parents drive you. Um, 
first match was just great. I, I loved it. And, you know, it was so sad, like, when it when it closed out. But, yeah, I wasn't surprised one bit, you know. Like, it wasn't the destination to get toys anymore. They just happened to be selling toys. You know what I'm saying? I die inside every time I go into Walmart and I see that one sign above the toy section where it says the world's greatest toy store. And I'm like, you guys are so full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen any of the AEW figures in the wild, by the way? I have, yeah. So um, I, I use BrickSeek. I'm sure you guys know what that is. I do. Do not? Or, okay. So, like, you know, I use that. Like, uh, I love these figures. I want to support the line. I have uh, seen... Series 1 in the stores. I've not seen Series 2 or 3, which people have been finding, but I did see Series 1. I, I'm sure everybody has seen the uh, the belt and the ring. I feel like those mm -hmm. are like the booster from like last, uh, single all the way, you know. Uh, everybody wants, everyone wants the, the Turbo Man, but they keep finding that booster. Everyone wants the figures, they keep finding that ring and the belt. <laughs> but um, they're hard to find, and I think that's a great business model because, you know, it's a brand new line. If they were super plentiful and they were warming the pegs, would Walmart order a Series 2? I don't know. And it's wild, too, because, you know, I'll see, like, the resale value of those figures. They go up. Like, I saw Brandy's figure going for about 50 or $60 on eBay, and I was so annoyed. <laughs> At first, she was going for even higher because she wasn't in the first shipment that went to Walmart. That makes sense. Yeah. And it, it's like, you know, when I go looking through the figures... My preferred brand lately, and, you know, I, I mentioned this during our interview with him, but Todd McFarlane's McFarlane Toys is, like, hands down my favorite brand going today, you know? I, I love the McFarlane. Uh, I just have been doing the, the Stranger Things recently. Yeah. Um, I, I think those figures are great. Um, and especially when these the Stranger Things Ghostbuster figures, I needed those 100%. I didn't know the... Oh, oh yeah, when they were wearing the, uh, the costumes, the... Uh, yes. I never got to see those. I know. Have you ever uh, checked out the McFarlane uh, DC Multiverse figures? Uh, I have not. No, unless I've seen them and, and didn't put two and two together. They are some of the most impressive figures I've seen in recent memory. And like, the only downside is it's all Batman. Basically, there's no you know like random you know C or D list characters or even a B lister. But for what they are, they are gorgeous looking figures to look at. And you know. As a child of the 90s, a child of the 80s, seeing the evolution of toys, what is the biggest change that you've seen that you're, you wish you had as a kid? Um, I think the uh, articulation. Um, you know, Brian and I, we do a spinoff podcast called the Figure Wrestling Federation, where we basically are retelling like the, the mid to late 90s. Uh, we're, we're, we're booking our own shows and... We're calling the matches as, as if we're playing with the figures. Then later on on social media, we do the figure photography. And it's just crazy that, that the things that these figures today can do compared to back in the day that we didn't even think about. You know, like these figures can, A, stand up. You know, and some of these are, you know, have like all these like loose joints. You know, I think we take for granted now that these figures bend at the elbows. You know, like all these things that we didn't have back then. Um, and, of course, the, the likeness, uh, the character likeness is way better now. But um, I love now that the, the, the amount of accessories that these figures come with, the interchangeable hands and heads. Imagine that as a kid, you know, having interchangeable hands for your figures. Like, I, I'm jealous of these kids today. My favorite one in regards to that, you know, the element of so many hands. When we were at Toy Fair, Hasbro always gives out, like, a goodie bag of all the different toys. And in my goodie bag was Shang-Chi, the Master of Kung Fu, 
and he had like 45 hands with him. <laughs> yeah. I, I do think that some companies, uh, I will say, Mattel for WWE is guilty of this. They give us extra hands for the sake of having extra hands. So I have Ziploc bags full of hands. Like, I think it's like someone has in wrestling like a signature pose or a superhero has a signature pose with their hands or to hold a certain weapon. I think those are necessary. But we don't need certain hands just for the sake of having certain hands. I think it needs to serve a purpose. I agree. And like... There's, you know, like, again, certain accessories as well that, you know, sometimes they just don't make sense for, like, the character that you get, you know? Right. And let's see. Um, in regard, real quick, one question that we got from a listener, uh, Nick Jangara. Who is your favorite character from each of the following? Transformers, G.I. Joe, and Masters of the Universe? It's just like a, it's just a trick question because they know I don't like any of those. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that I don't like those things. It's just I don't like them, if that makes sense. Uh, I feel like I just missed those growing up. Right. Um, and I'm actually very glad that I did because I know they have very extensive toy lines, past and present. Um, so I will say uh, E-Man is my favorite E-Man <laughs> character. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter is my favorite G.I. Joe. And uh, Optimus Prime is my favorite uh, Transformers because that's basically all I know. Um, <laughs> Oh, man. And I'm sorry if that wasn't a trick question. <laughs> I think it was a trick question. <laughs> okay. It's funny, too, because when I was growing up, I was born in 88, so I missed the cutoff completely of that era of Transformers and G.I. Joe. I always wanted to get into it, but it never appealed to me as I got older, you know? Right. No, I agree 100%. Like, I think you know, I might have had a couple of Transformers toys or He-Man or maybe even a couple of G.I. Joes, but... Not, like, during my prime years of playing. Like, maybe someone bought it for me when I was super young thinking I would like it. You know what I'm saying? But I, I never stuck with it. And, I mean, you know, when they just came out, those recent uh, Masters of the Universe figures with the points of articulation, like, you know, it's the classic molds and everything, but now you can bend, you know, the arms and stuff. Right. I had to get the uh, Skeletor one just because for, you know, one, meme purposes of, you know, the nah, that thing. Sure. But also just... It, for from a visual aesthetic, it does look cool. No, I, I love that style of figure, um, and you know, and that was used for for many things in the eighties, whether it be Rocky figures or the the AWA wrestling figures. Um, and right now, you know, we have a uh, a partnership with Ringside Collectibles, and we made our own major wrestling figure podcast figures, and they're supposed to look like that, the same body type as a He Man figure. Uh, they're supposed that we make them look almost uh, nostalgic or bootleggish, you know. So I, I do got that Skeletor and that He-Man uh, just to kind of have in the same universe as these major wrestling podcasts. And it's funny you mentioned the uh, AWA figures. Do you collect those? I do. That's something uh, AWA uh, obviously was around when I was a kid that I, I wasn't watching it. I didn't know anything about it. And I always told myself, like, I'm just never going to do this, never going to do this. And then one day, uh, you know, I broke down because I was at a, a certain store that had a lot of them. Um, already in the package, and that—that uh, people are gonna think I'm crazy if you don't know this about me. I open everything, like especially these AWA figures because they have a lot of soft goods, uh, like outfits, and now there's a lot of counterfeits out there. So to be sure that it's real, I need to have it in the package and open it. So uh, somebody was selling a decent amount of the collection that I bought it, and I started scratching that figure itch. Now I'm only missing a handful of them. Um, and it's funny because I've probably never even seen like five AWA matches in my life. 
I have all these figures in mint condition. Well, if you're looking for them, a uh, friend of the show, Haven for Heroes in Port Jervis, New York, they actually had a ton of them. And I tagged you guys in. I wanted you guys to see it, but mm. there's a ton of them there at that store. Wow. So just enough. Also, uh, the LJNs, you know, the uh, dog toys. So uh, I take offense to that statement. <laughs> <laughs> now, in regards also to... Let me let me go through the fan questions one more time. I think too. Don't forget. I think Jeremy's got one or two more as well. Jeremy, you go first. Oh well. Um, are you okay with Star Wars figures? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Awesome. All right. Well, our friend uh, Lee Petrie, much like the dish, so I think he's hoping this question goes viral. Uh, down in Washington <laughs> D.C., what Matt's favorite Star Wars trilogy figure? Old school stuff. His words, not mine. Uh, not the new shit. I, so I think. Oh, I'm say, sorry. I think like Power of the Force, uh, Power of Force Two, uh, if you will, like the Han Solo with the carbonite that he can just like lock into. Uh, I didn't grow up watching Star Wars, so obviously I didn't have the original figures. Um, you know, I'm the perfect age for that that special edition, uh, all those re-releases, and then the Power of the Force Two line. Um, which, you know, I have since rebought. Uh, I have gone back also and bought the original figures as well. But what I love about these Power of the Two, sorry, Power of the Force Two figures is that you can buy the whole set right now for dirt cheap. Yeah. Uh, they have like no value whatsoever. You can go to any vintage toy store in America, probably the world, and they will have a whole wall of these things. Uh, and, you know, I think people just thought that these were going to be worth as much as the original figures, and they weren't, and they were also mass-produced. But I love the figures. That, that's, that's my version of Star Wars figures, because that's, I was a kid during that. Uh, of course, I appreciate the originals. I had to go back and get all those as well. But that, that Han Solo, uh, Power of the Force 2 with the Carbonite, that's, that's my favorite one. Were you uh, partial at all to the Phantom Menace red card figures? Well, uh, I, I got some of them, but that's kind of like where I stopped with my... Star Wars collecting, like even now when I went back, um, the only ones I did get of those are uh, Anakin and uh, Darth Maul, but um, I did not get all those. Uh, I remember them coming out. I mean, who, who doesn't remember episode one? It was uh, it was a crazy time to be a Star Wars fan. Uh, but now my, I recently got into the vintage collection, uh, and the Star Wars stores are so confusing because the vintage collection, it's not like... the I'm, I'm sure you guys know, but like when I say that on our podcast, when I talk about the vintage collection of Star Wars, people think I mean the figures from the 70s and 80s, but I'm, I mean the new figures that is on old school carding, but not the retro re-releases. It's just a very confusing game in Star Wars figures. I have the uh, vintage collection Boba Fett one where it's got like, it also has the plastic casing over it and it's, you know, the okay. modern day looking figure and... I'm I'm so lucky I did not fall down the vintage uh, collector rabbit hole for that. My God, because I, hearing your story on the uh, best our best five of 2020, I feel so bad for you with that. I completely understand and can relate on so many levels. I, I literally uh, had a breakdown. <laughs> I was against it for so long, uh, and I bought probably over a hundred in the past month or so, and I haven't opened them yet. I'm just waiting, and then I'm gonna feel like a giant unboxing. It's going to be ridiculous. Because, you know, for myself as a uh, comic collector, one of my biggest regrets in recent memory was uh, starting to collect Spawn comics. 
because Spawn comics, like the old stuff are like super cheap. You can get them for pennies on the dollar. But the newer the comics are, the more money they're going to go for because, you know, there are fewer uh, print runs and all that. So right. whatever. And, you know, as a result, sometimes I'll spend $50 and $60. I haven't reached triple digits yet, but I'm dreading that day. I'm it's dreading. coming, baby. It's coming. I don't want it to, no. <laughs> <laughs> but are there any lines of figures where you scratch that figure itch and you're just like, oh, no, oh, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, the, the vintage collection. Uh, <laughs> um, even the, the Mattel WWE figures for so long, uh, because uh, the company jacked for the license from like 1996 to 2010, I believe, which is you know almost two decades. And and I had so many of those. And when they lost the license, I was like heartbroken. Everything that I had built, you know, collection-wise, it was over. You know, and I didn't know what to do. And I I didn't collect Mattels for. So long, uh, you know. Of course, I got if they made the Jack Ryder, uh, but that was it. And then uh, a couple of years ago, I finally broke down, um, and I made a rule with myself: like uh, I could only get figures that depict 2007 and below, because I, I picked 2007 because that's when I, you know, I consider making it into the business. I debuted in WWE in 2007, so that's kind of my cutoff. So at least, like, I don't. I mean, it's already crazy and ridiculous how many Mattels I have. And that's with this cutoff. If I did like current day guys, and that means current day going from 2010 to 2021, like, oh my God, I'd have hundreds and hundreds. So I just use that 2007 as a cutoff. Are there exceptions to the rule? Sure, every once in a while I'll make a little exception. But like, for instance, if we make an Undertaker right now in, in 2021, to pick the 2021 version of the Undertaker, I don't need it. But if they make it in 2021 and it depicts like a cool, like, 1996 taker. I'll think about it. Uh, my biggest regret recently, because I, I've only purchased in my life two Mattel WWE figures. Technically three with the uh, retro figure Kevin Owens, and they uh, the only ones I will go after are like Foley ones, or Roddy Piper. You know, okay. and it's like there there are limits. I just can't do it. But like the the Jax figures, the classics line was by far one of my all time favorites. Oh yeah, those those figures were great, and I that, that that figure line changed the game, not just for figures, um, in the wrestling business, but it changed the whole wrestling business. I don't think enough people uh, like realize that because before the classic superstars, classic wrestlers, legends, whatever you want to call them, flashbacks, they weren't celebrated by WWE. There was no flashback merch, legends merch. You know, now you can go into a Walmart, you can get a T-shirt with the Ultimate Warrior on it. Before the classic superstars. The Ultimate Warrior was blackballed by WWE. They made a DVD called The Self-Destruction of Ultimate Warrior. Like, they weren't celebrated. These guys weren't celebrated like they should be. So, um, you know, I got to give credit to Jeremy Fidauer, who, who created the Clash of Superstars, and now he works on the AEW Jazzwares line. So I know that line is in good hands. And in regards to the classic superstars, are there any characters in wrestling history that you would have loved to have seen get that treatment, or even now with the modern ones? Because myself... Savio Vega has to get a figure at this point. Come on. Rightful King of the Ring, 95. See, what stinks is that during the, the, the Jax Classic Superstars, um, you know, they were able to go out and, and sign. Jax was able to sign talent, guys that necessarily, weren't necessarily under a WWE uh, contract, a legend contract. Well, A, there were no legend contracts back then. But, but now Mattel, um, they have a certain uh, like list. They can't just go find anybody. The guy has to be 
under a WWE Legends deal. So it kind of limits who Mattel can make. Sabio Vega is somebody who, of course, I would love to see. Uh, a lot of obscure characters uh, like Henry Godwin. I would love to see Henry Godwin. Um, but yeah, there's this. Mattel has made the heavy hitters like a Macho Man. There was no classic superstars Macho Man for, for some reason, but Mattel was able to do it. Uh, so Mattel's done a hell of a job, but there's definitely a couple unique oddballs in there that we're missing. Now, for listeners to the show, you're about to know where I'm going with this. But on the topic of Savio Vega, do you too feel he should have been the rightful King of the Ring 1995 over Mabel? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, it's funny. We, we just talked about Savio, uh, maybe it was last week on the podcast. Uh, we do something every week called the Incarnation of Domination, where we pick our, our favorite versions of that guy. We talk about Savio. That, that, that 95 uh, uh, King of the Ring, like, he came out of nowhere. Like, he wasn't even in uh, WWF before that. I mean, he was Quang, but nobody was supposed to know that. But to me, I was like, who is this guy? This is Razor Ramon's friend. He's getting in the finals? I didn't understand it. So I'm kind of glad that Mabel won. I'm tisking over here. Eddie? Tisk on. I got nothing. I'm, I'm good here. <laughs> Jeremy? Hey, Jeremy? Uh, I don't have any more listener questions that are toy-related. And some of them, quite frankly, are profane. <laughs> we, we do have one from Matt Turner. If your house was burning and you can only save one action figure, which one would you save? Oof. Um, I'd probably save the Rhythm and Blues Greg the Hammer Valentine. It's this unreleased figure. It was in a Toys R Us catalog. A Toys R Us ad in the WWF magazine in the early 90s. Long story short, it didn't come out, but there was no internet back then, so you thought it did. It's even on the back of some of the boxes. Um, and years later, you find out it never was released, uh, and I was able to get my hands on the prototype from that magazine ad. So is it my favorite figure? No. I'm not even a fan of Great the Hammer Valentine, but I think that figure has like the biggest like backstory behind it, where uh, for the history of wrestling figures, it, it would need to be preserved. And in regards to, let's see, there was another question uh, from Horror Movie Barbecue who asks, are there any unproduced or unreleased Zack Ryder merch, and were you able to get your hands on them? Um, of the ones I know about, there was one that was supposed to have uh, Ghostbusters-inspired wrestling gear, Um Funny story, like I had got it made this maybe like 2012, 2013, um, and I was planning on wearing it, but I didn't wear it yet. I just posted it on, I guess, Instagram around. I posted it somewhere, and uh, someone from Mattel reached out because at the time Mattel had a part was doing the the Ghostbuster figures as well as the WWE, so they thought they would be able to do it no problem. Um, and uh, I wore the gear on TV. Uh, I got yelled at for wearing it on TV. <laughs> they didn't care that I said Mattel wanted to make a figure. Uh, anyway, uh, the figure ended up getting canceled for one reason or another, but I was able to get my hands on the prototype. So I do have that. Um, if there's anything out, anything else that, that was supposed to come out, I don't really know about it. So um, I'd rather not know, I guess. <laughs> and it, it's funny, too, because... In a lot of ways, you, in my opinion, you are one of the most underrated superstars in pro wrestling history. I was there the night of uh, Survivor Series 2011, 
And I can still hear the woo, 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 you know it call and response chant, by the way. And to the point, by the way, where that chant was left over still at final battle Ring of Honor the next month at the Hammerstein Ballroom. I just want you to know the, that's the impact you had that uh, winter. Just an FYI. Oh, well, thank you very much. That was definitely a, a wild time um, with that uh, Detroit Long Island Story YouTube show. Uh, you know, I, I owe the fans so much for that. For, for you know, the, the YouTube show, it, it was what it was. It was something that I was doing as a creative outlet. And the fans turned it into something so much more. So I thank them uh, 100% for that. And, you know, the, the momentum from that show, it still carries over to this day. And, uh, you know, I, I believe I'm in the position in life and in this business because of that show and because of the fans. So thank you to everyone listening. And also, um, the, oh, go ahead. Real quick. Uh, yeah, I just got a couple of, just to um, build on that, I got a couple of questions that came in. This one's from Rodney in Gulfport, and it's wrestling-related. I didn't want to go too far down that wrestling. Um, I don't know what the wrestling version of a rabbit hole is, but um, it says uh, I was at uh, the unmentioned pay-per-view in Dallas when Matt won the Intercontinental belt, and he said even in a, in a the Jerry Dome, where it was absolutely almost impossible to generate a ton of crowd noise. Uh, your win there was like one of the loudest things you'd ever heard at a live event. You know, a hundred thousand people, you know, all cheering in unison. And he just, he just, you know, asked on Twitter. He's like, "Do you realize how much the fans loved you then?" I mean, that that night was super special for for so many reasons. Um, one for winning the Intercontinental Title uh, at WrestleMania. Two, my dad legitimately hopping the, the, the barricade and coming in and giving me a hug to try to put the damn cowboy hat in my head. But three, because, you know, it had been a few years removed from the, the Z Trolling Island story and from that, that Madison Square Garden moment. And to hear the people uh, that, they, that they didn't forget, you know, they still believed in me and that all I needed was an opportunity and that they would be behind me again. And, and to, to hear them so loud and so passionate and even, you know, the response on social media after the people who weren't there, um, it meant a lot to, to know that the people, they still cared. So I really appreciate that. And that's a, a night that I will never forget. And you guys also have, because you got a, uh, you got to use your, your shoot father and you didn't get a working parent like Shelton Benjamin did, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, that's people, people think that was part of the show, part of the story. But it was not. He, he legitimately hopped the guardrail on his own nice. uh, and slid in the ring. So it, and no security took him out, so it all worked out. Super cool. And right now you are one of the newest signings of Impact Wrestling. How'd that come about? Yeah, so Impact, you know, it, it's a great place. I feel like, just like my career, you know, it's had highs and lows, but it, it, it's on the rise. It's on the rise again, just like my career is. Uh, and, you know, I, I use that, the hashtag always ready, and, and that's what I am. I'm always ready, and I literally got a call Friday asking if I could, uh, you know, make it to the pay-per-view Saturday, and I said yes. And, you know, I, haven't, I hadn't been in the ring at all, not to train, not to have a match, nothing since September, since my last match. But that, that's the, the beauty of being always ready. And the thing is, you got to be able to back it up. So it's not just a cute little hashtag, and that was it. And I, I went Saturday. I uh, you know, I, 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 I flew there. I didn't know exactly what I was doing. It didn't matter. I uh, just needed the opportunity. I uh, had a pay-per-view match. Uh, did a little uh, 
Raw and talking this week on Impact on Access TV, and then I'm going to have a match next week, and then we'll see we'll see where it goes. You know, right now I haven't I haven't signed a full time contract. Uh, you know, I'm just doing for a date right now. But you know what? We'll see what happens. Anything anything can happen in wrestling, and you know I'm always ready. And I'm just I think Impact is a perfect platform for me to to show what I still have. And you know to tie this all again with the you know with Marvel. Who is one character you would equate yourself to with your in-ring career? Oh man, um, I mean, I, I, I want to say Wolverine because of because of the look, <laughs> okay. because I, I love Hugh Jackson, and Wolverine was always my character. I'll never forget the, the, one of my favorite comics as a kid uh, was that that yellow Wolverine comic where like it had the, the slashes through the cover. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, I think it was issue number fifty. To be honest, the oh. yellow cover with the slashes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I love that. I don't know why I remember that. And then uh, I actually got to do something on Monday Night Raw with Hugh Jackman, uh, and he was such a super cool guy. Uh, so he's always Wolverine's always been my favorite. Uh, and then that obviously cemented that for sure. Um, you know, do I have the, the certain? You know, do I have the the the, the skeleton, the, the metal skeleton? No, I, I I wish I'd be indestructible to the ring. I wouldn't need any surgery. But. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, he's, he's, I love Hugh Jackson. He's always in shape for these movies, looking good. Even now, like in his older age, looking jacked. Uh, so jacked, and you know, I just want to be just like him. Be like you. And it's funny, too, by the way, when I recently rewatched that uh, moment where he accompanied you to the ring. And who's it against that you wrestled that night? Uh, Dolph Ziggler. Ziggler, all right. And for some reason, I'm watching Hugh on the side the entire time, and... He was the most natural, like an outsider doing a pro wrestling manager position. He was seamless, you know. He was a super cool dude. Um, I remember we were just like chit chatting backstage, and he was kind of asking like what what my deal was. And I told him about the YouTube show. He's like, "Oh, I want to be on." And then he filmed something for my YouTube <laughs> show. Like, didn't have to do that, you know. Certainly didn't get paid for it, but that's just the kind of guy he was. Um, and then obviously. Uh, you know, he, he knocked out Ziggler with that, that right hand. I think, I think that was a, uh, a shoot. But, uh, you know, it was, it was super cool for a star like that to be so down to earth. And it's funny, too, because, you know, he, a lot of people are wondering what's going to happen with the character of Wolverine in the Marvel movies and all that. Do you think we're ever going to see him don the mutton chops ever again? I mean, I would certainly hope so, but the, 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 the X-Men movies are so... Goddamn confusing! I don't even know what what, what timeline there is. How, did they combine the timelines? Did they not? It's so weird. I have no idea what's going on. So if you guys could fill me in, I tr- I thought I had it understood, and then I don't know what's going on anymore. There, I love the line I've in been De- a for twenty years. It's like my own career in high school. <laughs> I love the line in Deadpool where he just goes, "These timelines are so confusing," and it's the the most it encapsulates. Everything right there. These timelines are so confusing. Yeah, I think there's a difference between them being confusing and not making sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, if it's confusing, but like, okay, if you do the math and you line things up and it works out, okay. But I don't think these line up or match up at all. My, my go-to still is we were denied one movie that I would have loved to have seen just based on could it work. The Gambit movie, which was going to be a rom-com starring Channing Tatum. I would have paid money to see that. So would I. <laughs> it, it just wasn't in the cards. Uh, <laughs> yes, thank you, Jeremy. That was good. a good one. I, I caught that a couple of seconds late. But it was good. 
Now, before we wrap this up, Matt, we want to say thank you so much for doing the show today. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. And of course, obviously, you know, goes without saying, you are more than welcome to come back and yak with us about toys, comics, video games, Marvel, anything toy related, especially. Like I said, you are you have an open invite. I appreciate that. And before we go, how can people get a hold of you on social media? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Matt Cardona, or if you're into the figure stuff, follow us on social media at. Major WF Pod. Um, I just put up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Major WF Pod, a tour of my toy room. People have been asking for that for a long time. Uh, my toy room is not always the most organized, but I buckled down. I cleaned it up. Uh, we filmed it. Uh, it's a 20 minute tour. So, you guys, uh, I think whether you're a fan of wrestling or not, it, it's got everything in there. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. So, check that out. Also related to you and the first lady of the Major Wrestling Figure podcast, Chelsea, one of my favorite social media pages to follow involves a debonair doodle. And I was wondering if you could also give a little plug ski for that dang doodle. Oh, our, our doodle, his name is Dude. Uh, I think his Instagram is at, I don't even know what it is. I think it's my doodle dude. It I is. <laughs> Uh, Chelsea controls that. I have nothing to do with it. Yeah, my doodle dude. Uh, he's a burner doodle. Uh, we got him over the summer. He, he's awesome. Uh, he hasn't destroyed uh, any of my figures yet, which is good. Um, but yeah, he's just a, a lot of fun. Big cuddly dog. Um, I would love to get like um, some action figures uh, of my cats and dogs. I, I need to squeeze that into a line somehow, like as my accessories. Doodle is by is by far a very big dog, and you know, uh, dude is you know, I'm just stuttering my words right now. But uh, my favorite social media interaction ever was involving that page with uh, pro wrestling uh, raconteur RJ City, where he goes, "Yes, we get it. The dog is big." <laughs> <laughs> RJ City, I love RJ City. He's uh, he I sent him a, a Flash Funk figure one, so I'm trying to get him to scratch that figure out. He's 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 a very interesting dude. I love his stuff, especially his uh, the he did a video where he was talking about Hulk Hogan. You know, teaching him how to do the leg drop, Hulkala baby, just great stuff. Uh, he, he's he's so funny, and I don't even think he's trying to be. All right, Matt. Once again, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you guys having me. This is fun. For the marvelous, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Jeremy Bagley. I'm Matt Cardona. And I'm Eddie Wilson, Excelsior. It's Obsessed with Marvel with our special guests, Matt Cardona and Jeremy Bagley. Four questions for four humans. Let's start with number 1293. Armbar. I didn't say that. Where did Sunfire battle the X-Men in the X-Men number 64? Was it Tokyo, Japan, New York City, Washington, D.C., or Boston, Massachusetts? Again, where did Sunfire battle the X-Men in the X-Men night 64? Tokyo, Japan, New York City, Washington, D.C., Boston, Massachusetts. I think it's Tokyo, because Sunfire, that's the uh, the one who was in the original lineup of the X-Men, uh, the giant size era. I would agree. Yeah, what he said, I'll go with Tokyo <laughs> as well. I was going to say in the air. Ah. <sighs> 
What? Did I not read that? Okay. <laughs> Jeremy read into something. Let's try letter A, Tokyo. End? No. It says the answer is C, Washington, D.C. As I said to Matt off mic, sometimes we also get them wrong. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What was obvious is not for this time. Okay. Let's go back, back to 1124. And it reads... Armbar. Richards. Who caused Charles Xavier to lose the use of his legs? Choices are... I'm going to cut you off right now. This is the biggest mess of continuity of all time, because I just read X-Men number one, and he goes on saying, I lost them as a child. Uh, Bullshit. All right. Your choices are the Juggernaut, Lucifer, the Shadow King, or both B and C, which is Lucifer and the Shadow King. That. So... Who caused Charles Xavier to lose the use of his legs? The Juggernaut, Lucifer, the Shadow King, or both Lucifer and the Shadow King? I lost them as a child, you bald liar. Peter's saying <laughs> Peter's saying both Lucifer and the Shadow King. I'm inclined to think the same. Yeah. Yeah, I think too, maybe tag team action for that. <laughs> I don't have a leg to stand on, so I'll agree. Let's go with letter D and Thank goodness it is correct. Okay. I think a lot of times we have the choices, and if it says both B and C or none of the above or all of the above, that tends to be the answer, if you know what I'm saying. If not, that's okay. We move on. I don't know what you're saying, Eddie. That's okay. And do I not speak English? It's number 798. And that's not Jenny's other number. Okay. 798 says, Who calls himself the Lion of Asgard due to his courage? Is it mm-hmm. Thor, Volstagg, Hogan, or Balder? Who calls himself the Lion of Asgard due to his courage? Thor, Volstagg, Hogan, or Balder? I'm going to just say Hogan because it's a wrestling name that I know. Same. <laughs> <laughs> the Lion of Asgard. I'll you go with Hogan. We're going with Ho- Is everybody going with Hogan? I think, I think so. I think I'm going with Hogan because by Thor by default or whatever, I think it's obviously not. That's not. He, you can't have two nicknames. God of Thunder is enough. Volstagg is one of the uh, Warriors Three, I believe. Balder, I don't know if he had a title at all. He had a miniseries. And uh, Hogan, let her see. Let's try it. No. <laughs> it is It is B. Volstagg. Damn, Eddie, you know the thing about those Hulk Hogan figures is they weren't just okay, they were tan plastic. Oops. Uh, I think we'll just try one more just because. Jeremy, you ran that joke by me earlier today and I didn't get it. I get it now. Mm, okay. Oh, and see? I mean, Jeremy, did I say Eddie? Something like that. production, though. You didn't have to blow me up. It, it ended with an E, so an E sound, so that's it. And on a similar note, let's do one more. It's question 1063. How long did Thor... And Asgard rule the earth. That's what it says. How long did Thor and Asgard rule the earth? Was it roughly a month? Was it one year, 100 years, or 200 years? How long did Thor and Asgard rule the earth? Roughly a month, one year, 100 years, 200 years. I'm going to say 100 years. Same. 100 Okay, we're all in on C. 101. I don't know. No, the answer is 200 years. Oh, damn. Well, so much for that. Until next time, true believers. Thank you. Enough said. This episode's been a really long year. (laughs) 